Welcome to the APL Next Ed Minipod, where for a few minutes each week, academic leaders share insights and perspectives on the most important issues and opportunities facing academic teams. Learn how other schools are managing and strategizing for success as your host, CEO and founder of APL Next Ed, Kathleen Gibson, gathers and connects practical seeds of knowledge and experience from her guests. Hello, and welcome to this week's APL Minipod. Today, I'm joined by a college president committed to student success. And more than that, she's one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. President Joseph was born in Trinidad, West Indies, as the youngest of five siblings. Neither of her parents completed elementary school, but her parents' encouragement and sacrifices made it possible for her to receive an education and inspired her to pay it forward by serving others in higher education. And that's just what she's done over her career. Joseph graduated from University of West Indies, St. Augustine, with a Bachelor of Science degree in Agriculture and a Master of Philosophies in Plant Science. She taught with the Ministry of Education of Government for Trinidad and Tobago from 1990 to 1992. In 1998, she graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a doctorate in Curriculum and Instruction in Science Education. She has been an associate dean in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, dean of a college of education at Eastern Michigan University, executive vice chancellor for academic affairs, division of student engagement and success, interim chancellor at Indiana University South Bend, and in 2019, President Joseph was named the president of Georgia Gwinnett College. President Joseph, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you, it's my pleasure. It's wonderful to reconnect again. President Joseph and I had a wonderful meeting years ago at an ACE conference, uh, sitting next to each other at a banquet and happened to be folks who lived just 40 or 50 miles from each other and paging through a pamphlet uh, discovered that uh, while just about every state in the union had a chapter of the Indiana Women's Network, <laughs> Indiana was one of the states that did not. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the end of the evening, she and I looked at each other and said, something has to be done about this. And so yes. true to President Joseph's record and her mission, uh, she and I uh, were able to get together and she was instrumental in having us uh, relaunch the chapter. And we actually just celebrated our second annual conference and had a ch I had a chance to reach out to you and, and share um, the progression and the, and the building that has happened of that organization and how instrumental you were in, in setting that foundation and how grateful we are. So, so thank you again for that. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I couldn't be happier to see what has happened to the network and how you all have moved on. But I do remember saying, and you agree, there's no way we could lead in a state that didn't have a women's network. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. We, there's enough uh, not so nice things said about Indiana. We <laughs> couldn't have that. We were not going to add one more. <laughs> we were not going to add one more. So mm -hmm. do everything in our power to move it the other direction. So I know that your central professional mission and focus has really been around student success. And that makes so much sense given the importance education has been in your, in your life and in your, in your career and in your profession. And how lucky your students must be at your institution and the institutions you've been at before to have you as an inspiration and as a model uh, for them. Um, it must be just tremendously rewarding for you to get to interact with students and to be able to share 
your experiences and to be able to be a living testimony of what an education can do. And so I know that's, that's core to sort of who you are and why you do what you do. Related to that, though, is uh, student success, that is, mm-hmm. is, is this idea of sort of faculty success or mm-hmm. we all know you and I have been in higher education for a long time and, and folks that may be joining us may also agree that if, you know, students are going to be successful, they, they need to be with faculty who are engaged and resourced and supported. And so very much connected to this idea, I think, that is around your mission of student success is this idea of faculty support, faculty engagement, faculty success. One of the topics that we'll be covering this summer in a series of conversations is the Inside Higher Education uh, Chief Academic Officers Survey. And one of the results of that survey centered around a statistic that 18% of faculty felt very connected to and supported by their administrations. And so if we're really going to draw parallels and connections between student success and faculty support and engagement, I think that's a number worth looking at. First, I guess I'd love to hear whether you believe that this is truly the case. Do you feel as if this is um, some sort of outlier, the data doesn't seem to suggest so, or has this been your experience where faculty and, and administration do have have sort of attention and a disconnect in a lot of regards? Well, first thing I would say, um, if this is a reality, then we have we have work to do. It is indeed a problem we have to solve. But I also want to acknowledge that sometimes these surveys could be specific to time periods. And one of the things we have to admit, and we've been looking at in all of our data sets on campus across student engagement, faculty engagement, is how is it different from fall of 19? Right. <laughs> because we don't, we have to sort of like tease out the noise and, and there was a big crash of noise in the pandemic. So we have to tease that out and be sure that what we're seeing is real. So I'm not sure if it would have been 20% or 25% would say this in a pre-pandemic world, but I think this has been an ongoing and it's not just a narrative, an ongoing reality in higher ed for some time. You know, I would say starting in higher ed as I did back in 1998 in the faculty ranks, and even before that in grad school, you would hear the conversations around that even as a grad student. And then you would begin to feel it or um, believe it even as a junior faculty. So is it real? Absolutely. So it is uh, a serious problem. It is real, whether or not 18%, 10%, 20%, 50%. But I think as long as you feel the majority feel outside of that connection, the majority, and in this case, it seems like an overwhelming majority from this data, feel not supported and not connected. It is, I could See, could become a crisis of um, supporting students because one of the things that I have always lived by and I have tried to help people around me to, to, to think through is that how do you give something that you do not have yourself? Mm-hmm. So if our faculty don't feel supported, if they don't feel that connection to the administration, the question then becomes how much of that is felt when they go into the classroom? Mm-hmm. to connect to their students? Are they mm-hmm. able to give more of themselves and create a better relationship if they feel 
in the place where they have, I would say, the power to give more, um, they don't feel as if they receive that from the administration. So it is a concern. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. I think that there's been perhaps maybe before the pandemic sort of a this is the way it is attitude, Mm -hmm. maybe among the faculty and the administration. Is your sense or perception that we're entering a new era that maybe in this, hopefully what we will call soon a post-pandemic new reality or or a world uh, as we're all coming back to school in the fall, that this might be an opportunity to do things differently and that we might have the opportunity to bridge some of those divides and create greater connection and collaboration? Yes, I do. And I think for our campus, we are looking at uh, welcome back to community with the emphasis on unity. And funny enough, as I've, we have been doing that campaign, we've been seeing many people using a similar campaign mm. across various um, places in our, in our own community, as oh. we call it. Yeah. Um, so it's good that like minds are moving forward around united our community. And I think our campus communities uh, have always had some points of fragility. Mm-hmm. And I think those fissures have been opened up even wider in the pandemic. And I think we have to now do more to bridge that. We have do, do more to heal them. So I think there's opportunity for it, but it has to be that we have open minds on our side, so to speak, and the faculty and the staff also are willing to engage. And that's the mere concept of me using the term our side versus says something to how we actually internalize this and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of brings it, makes it part of the culture. But if anything we know from the pandemic, if anything we know from the, the, the recent crises in our country and around the world is that not everything that's part of our culture is correct. Not everything that's part of our culture should be sustained. So seeking opportunities to come back together to do the work is is definitely something all of us should fight for, particularly between the administration of our campuses and the faculty, because how do we have shared governance if we do not share division, right. how do we do this very unique thing, which is higher ed shared governance? It doesn't happen anywhere else. And even if it does, not to the extent that we have in our enterprise of higher ed. So how do we share if we don't agree to come to the same table and at least agree on what the problem is that we're trying to solve? So is it getting more difficult? Absolutely. It's getting more difficult because we have enrollment challenges on our campus, like so many places. Um, Who is doing what? Who is teaching which class? Who's going to do what specific assignment? How are we going to reorganize our campus offerings? How are we going to reorganize around the combination of online and hybrid and face-to-face classes? Our models on our campuses were very simple. Now they become far more complex and the people who are at the forefront of addressing the complexity are the faculty. They meet the students at their need. And to some extent, we see our staff struggling with that as well. So if we don't get a chance to tell them how much we appreciate what they do, we don't get a chance to offer them the support that they need, then it's going to fall apart. But I say that 
with the understanding that not everything people need or want, you have the capacity to give. And I think sometimes when people say that they're disconnected or not supported, what they might be telling you is that I'm not hearing them listening to me. I'm not hearing them acting upon what I want or my recommendations. So I think part of what we have to do is to give the why. And because we don't necessarily close the loop, we tend to say this can't be done and we don't spend time saying why it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the disconnect and the divide grows. Yeah, I think, that's, uh, I think that's exactly right. As you think about specific sorts of things and you just alluded to mm-hmm. active listening, yes, um, taking the time to be transparent and to provide context for decisions and so forth. Are there other sorts of practical things that you can point to that either you've used as, as techniques or that you will use in the future as techniques to help again, sort of bridge this perceived or real divide um, Mm -hmm. or lack of support or lack of uh, connection Mm -hmm. that, that uh, faculty might get, might be experiencing. Well, I work closely with my communication division around this, and we have spent considerable time thinking about and acting on it. So simple things like our every morning we send out something called a pulse on our campus, but it shares what's happening on campus. And we, we look at it. It goes to 1,100 people, the people, the staff and faculty who work here. And we look at how many people open it. We look at the ones that are more popular. We, we kind of look at what's, what should be number one on the list to get people to open it. Um, how do we phrase it so that people are interested? Now, you would have people say, I know nothing about this. Nobody ever told me. But it didn't open that email. Some people don't see it as relevant. So the question is, how do we address that? We work specifically through the provost to send direct messages from the dean and the chair because people tend to listen to the people closest to them. Uh, It's just the nature of the beast. Some messages work that way. On a timely basis and carefully, we send president's message. There are people who feel that we don't hear from the president. They almost want to hear, get a letter from the president on every topic. Well, Mm. if you did that, then you would have fatigue there. So you use that carefully. So we send presidential messages on a timely basis around the big issues, the big ideas of the day. Um, So that's another way that we do it. We have town hall meetings twice per year. At the town hall meetings, sometimes we have a twice per semester. And we did it during the COVID. We did it in pandemic with social distancing. We did it in a hybrid format where people could log in anywhere. So that's one way of doing it as well. So what we did is that we have the entire cabinet speak on their area to provide updates. And then we have questions. And I don't answer all the questions. I bring members of the cabinet forward who are at the forefront of what's happening to answer the question and and to address what's happening and the feedback that we want to provide. So that's one very direct way. I have open office hours. Twice per semester, we have the 50-minute appointments. I I meet one-on-one back-to-back with up to eight people on very specific topics of student success and initiatives around campus, and that's a very direct way. I have lunches with the faculty. I'm planning lunches with a new faculty coming up soon to make sure that they feel welcome, and we go through a a list of rotating senior as well as junior faculty to just sit and have a lunch with the president. So those are some of the things that we do. And we just keep that 
going on a continuous basis that we do the analysis, that we look for feedback and we ask ourselves, is this working? Will we be able to respond? We keep an action list. When I go out around campus, my executive assistant is with me. And when I meet people, we take notes all the time. We have follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. You know, I would like to feel that if you had asked my faculty, the number would be higher than 18%. Mm -hmm. But even if I got 50%, I would think it was good. Because in spite of all the things that you do, people have to be listening when they're ready to listen. And many times people are not going to be engaged or listen unless it's really directly relevant. And the faculty are amazing people. And because I used to be in their ranks and I remember, was I connected? I asked myself when I see these things, would I have answered this any differently as a faculty member? And sometimes I would have myself saying, well, you know, I may have been critical in very same way people criticize me. I think partly what happens is, is our either inability or actually sometimes restraint, personal restraint, or many times I would say um, environmental constraints that prevents us from speaking directly to some of the issues that people want us to speak to. Right. And sometimes it's difficult to see the why that we really want to see mm -hmm. because president's positions are responding to numerous people. We are part of a system. We have a chancellor. We are part of the executive branch in Georgia. This is not unusual. This happens across higher ed. We have local constituents where I am right here in Gwinnett County. I work with numerous people across the county and across the city of Lawrenceville. So there's several different groups that we have to work with to advance the institution. It's so, like the commercial. When you when you talk, people are listening. <laughs> exactly. You have to be very um, um, nuanced in your responses. And sometimes I think um, the campus community want you to say something that is inappropriate for the institution to say. And then they said, you're not listening and you're not supportive. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a very, very tricky um, and very tiny space that we could be in to advance our campuses in today's world. And we have to navigate that carefully because that's what we signed up for. We have to please everybody. <laughs> we do. We just do. It's the job. Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's a tall order as a mm -hmm. people user myself. I, uh, I can appreciate what that, mm -hmm. that must be like day to day in a, in a professional context, too. Yeah. It strikes me, kind of getting back to something you said a little bit earlier, that in some ways our faculty this last year were like our, our frontline workers, right? Mm -hmm. I, I had some conversations with some colleagues and I can remember thinking, you know, in a lot of ways, the parallels are there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're going in and having to grapple with and cope with everything everybody else is, but they're going into a public setting where they're having, having to also absorb a lot, right? They're mm -hmm. absorbing the pain and the and the other emotions of their students while simultaneously trying to teach and so forth. Do you think that given that experience and given, I think, sort of the eye opening that has happened as a result of, of the last 18 months, that there's 
greater attention being paid to this question, maybe not just even at your institution, but even nationally as a, as a, a leadership topic around how do you engage, how do you support, how do you encourage, how do you inspire? Because at the end of the day, faculty are, you know, they have their role and responsibility in carrying out the mission of the institution and in some ways are the most direct, direct deliverers of what the institution is doing. So how do you, again, navigate what you're talking about, which is having to think about all the things you would have, liability exposure and multiple stakeholders and all of those kinds of things, at the same time that you are really trying to be transparent and, and create trust with a group that, you know, are really the, they're the deliverers. They are, you know, they're, they're your hands, eyes, near ears, yes. toes, you know, nose yes. of the, of the, of the institution. Yeah. And that, again, that's, that's very difficult to do, but I say to my team and I've heard it said multiple times, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say it, it has to be done because it's worth doing and it's difficult. Therefore it's worth doing even more. So, mm-hmm. um, I think what we have to do is to not give up. And one of the things I have been saying is to, to my teams on campus, to my leadership team at the cabinet, as well as the senior leadership, including deans and directors and senior faculty and, and faculty governance groups and staff governance groups. I always tell them to two things. First, assume goodwill. When you hear something, assume goodwill. Don't assume that whatever is happening is or decision that you hear that we're making, it's because somebody is really trying to get somebody or try to hurt some group or disregard or not having empathy, ask the question. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't clarified, ask, why is this happening? There's more to it. And most, most times there's much, much more mm-hmm. to what's the background and the context for these decisions. And sometimes, as I said, some things are easy to share than others. So first assume goodwill. And then the next thing I asked them to do is that we provide information. We have dashboards that we give people access to. Um, They could collect and find out any data that they need um, about what's happening in campus. We make it available. You could ask questions through emails. You can make 15 minute um, meetings with me or various members of the cabinet. Even with the student government, we worked on that. But the key thing is here, to be part of the solution. And mm-hmm. so I asked my, my, my leadership team and all leaders across campus when I speak mm-hmm. to them, that when somebody comes to you with a question or a concern, that their job is to say, here's what I understand. Here's why they are doing it. And I remind people, you're talking to me, who else is the they, if not the president? So you can't say you don't know what they are doing because you are at the table when the decisions are made. So explain the decisions, explain why things were done, explain the process of how things were done, and then help us stand by those decisions that we make in the best interest of the, of the institution. Again, assuming goodwill. As leaders, you cannot say, well, I don't know why they did this and that doesn't make sense and I disagree with it, but they did it anyhow, because then you just create the problem even for, as we say in the old fashioned way, you stir the pot. That's so right. I ask people to be part of the solution, even when decisions are not one that you support 
during the process, you need to at least explain why it's going forward. Because the problem we have when we ask those questions about the disconnect and the support, the question I have when I read these surveys is who is in the person's mind when they answer the question? Right. Because for some people are thinking, well, my chair doesn't support me because I don't have access to my dean or, or I don't know. Or my provost is not supporting me because I don't know. Da, 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 the dean said so and so and so and so. Or the president is not supporting me because the provost said so and so and so and so. But I, I'm not saying that we unite to somehow deceive. Right. I'm not asking people to hold ranks to, to, to steal power. I'm asking that we share with transparency the decisions that we have made as leaders at all levels with consistency and with truth. Right. Because that's what's going to allow us to bridge the divide. The disconnect is because the narratives are shifting. The disconnect and the trust and the not lack of support is because if this person is not supporting me, then somebody is. These things are always mm-hmm. on two sides of a coin. In the person's mind is, the administration doesn't support me, but my fellow faculty do. Mm-hmm. Because none of us could survive and thrive and progress without support. Right. So for a person to say, nobody supports me, I'm an island to myself, mm-hmm. is a kind of a odd thing. I don't want to go into the pathology of that. I am nowhere qualified for that, but people get support from somewhere. Right. So if it's not, if within your work environment, you feel it's not the administration, then who? And are those people speaking truths to you? Right. Because they may be part of just in some ways, like what we're experiencing on a national level where it's more about sort of group identification and group Absolutely. than it is yeah. about your own personal reality. So this has been a terrific conversation in editing the video and the audio here. We've decided that we didn't want to lose any of this. And so we have decided to make this into two podcasts. Please stay tuned and look for the next podcast uh, in which we will continue this terrific conversation with John Joseph and hear her many amazing and interesting perspectives. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to today's guest and thank you to you, our listeners. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. We hope the APL Next Ed Minipod is a helpful resource to you and your teams. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues. The APL Next Ed Minipod is brought to you by APL Next Ed, the leading academic operations platform helping academic teams connect and collaborate in one place. To learn more about how APL NextEd is helping schools streamline academic operations, visit aplnexted.com.